Kia ora, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS of One's Own. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Thursday. Thanks, mate. Um, as always, I feel like the week goes slowly, but then also fast, like in this bizarre time paradox. Much like the the year. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, it's the first. Of, we're recording on the first of September. Yeah. But it's in the New Zealand's weird thing where they like to assign seasons to discrete quarters. It is the first of spring. What do you not believe in this? Are you no, one of those? England, kind of... they're not like no. no. Do what? No, you're not like. What would it be? I have no idea. I came here and everyone's like, spring is starts in the September. Yeah. Is that what? So what would winter be? December, Jan, Feb, or and then spring yeah. is March, April, May, and then yeah. summer is oh, no, 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 no. I can't believe you don't. I, no. I recently saw this on Twitter where people were like, "What is with this weird thing about putting the antipodes and putting seasons into quarters?" I'm like, "Does no one else do that?" No. I, like this has been my whole life. Oh. Spring starts on September first. So how you feel about that is how I felt about yeah it being so weird. Yeah, no, because like winter sometimes will go a bit less or a bit longer. No. Really <laughs> no, 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 always. <laughs> like, oh my god, okay. Wow, the crazy people. Can we still be friends? Who knows? Um, mm. How's your week been? It's been fine. I mean, except for my random bout of illness yesterday where yeah. I was convinced I was dying and all finally succumbed to COVID. But now I think it was probably just hay fever. <laughs> but I felt, I felt very terrible. Yeah. And normally I'm very good at like not you know, making a big deal about illness. You know, I am a woman. We are used to feeling like shit mm-hmm. all the time yeah. and just pressing on. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I was just like, I went to bed as soon as I got home on Tuesday night, so like 5.30. Was in bed until 4 o'clock yesterday, basically. Just yeah. slept all the time. And yeah, then I felt better this morning. So I'm like, okay. What well, you needed, don't question it. 24-hour bug, I guess. But yeah, mm-hmm. at least I get to be here. And also maybe, you know, water house. Well, yeah. Continued stress of that. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah, my week's been fine, I think. Um, what's happened? witnessed some annoying interactions with men and other women in the office so not like at me but like and it's always that hard area of do i intervene and then you're like no because i'm not there to fight anybody other people's battles but also like this isn't okay the conversation i'm overhearing but the person that the the woman that's part of that conversation obviously clearly is not comfortable and so should I be like a good supporter and ally and be like, hey, but then I don't know. So you don't I chose make not a big to deal. exactly. Yeah. So I chose not to intervene and then afterwards asked if she was okay and that kind of stuff. But it's just like fucking hell. It's not cool. Yeah, I, I think that was a classic. Having only heard about this later, I think it is a classic men not picking up women's signals and just yeah. pushing on, pushing on, even though they're yeah. being shut down. Very clearly, any normal person would be like okay this is a natural end don't keep pushing yeah. but just pushing on up because it's like a, a non-threatening accommodating yeah. woman they're like i'll just keep pushing and just not picking up yeah not being able to read that read the room being mm. able to pick up on those signals of like she's obviously doing an awkward laugh she's really evading your questions she's you know giving you very closed answers mm-hmm. like this is all normal talking co- quietly because yeah she's trying to, to make yeah, yeah trying to like rip, like saying you know sort of voce like this is all cues of like hey maybe this conversation isn't one that she wants to be part of but just like blithely pressing on because they're oblivious because they want to say their thing and this is why a lot of men will be like well this whole consent thing has gone crazy and like how are you supposed to know if a woman gives consent because this because they can't mm. read signals right and, and even that conversation, once this per- the questioner had obviously got to somewhere where 
from her body cues and speech, it seemed like she wasn't comfortable. You could easily be like, sorry, is this something you're comfortable talking about um, in your mm. post? And she would have been like, actually, no. And yeah. it gives her an opportunity to say no. And it's fucking done. But there's not even that sense of... No, that's frustrating as yeah. hell. Anywho, so would you like to tell us about this week's episode? Yeah, so we're kicking off season two and full effect, and we're watching the first episode, New Earth. So uh, the Doctor and Rose arrive on New Earth and meet old friends and enemies in a hospital which can cure every disease, but the cure comes at a terrible cost. (laughs) Cool. So over with the back gal. Yeah. Yes. My note is female presenting cat nurse nuns talking to each other. Loads of them, and they're talking about their work. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like altruistic motives but nefarious means but still i mean isn't that just medical science yeah they're named as well oh my god how did we get to where we are by people stealing bodies and cutting them open (laughs) but yeah you know like this idea of where do you draw the line lab animals lab humans yeah grave digging pretty good for the greater good nothing good has ever come from something someone's saying it's for the greater good (laughs) So I picked the theme for this week, and I will crack into that. But I thought maybe we could just start with some overall episode thoughts at a high level. Yeah, um, totally forgotten this episode, mm. and really happily enjoyed it. It's a cool app. It's super dark, but also like super fun. It is fun, and this is ten, yeah. right? Like yeah. this is the ten energy. It's like super fun, but super dark, but super fun, but super creepy. But yeah. yeah. Um, no, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a marked step up in production value, both the way it was mm. shot and the CGI and just the way it looked. It was a lot brighter than season one. Yeah, true. Hey. Um, I love that opening shot of them coming out of the TARDIS and you're seeing the grass and the grass is so green and like it's yeah. very sci-fi. It's obviously CGI'd, but I think in a way that isn't, oh, this is bad CGI, you know, not that kind of obvious CGI. Yeah, no. Okay, so I did like that and I liked that like, grass that was fun yeah and they're just like lying down on the grass but then those flying vehicle things that came from new york they lit they did look bad yeah like, that and was I, bad cgi the cgi when the, the cat nun was also undergoing oh pen, yeah getting the virus getting and, yeah that yeah. was some terrible cgi yeah. as well because obviously it was too much combining the cat faces with with no yeah and i assume the cat faces would have been prosthetics yeah and makeup. so my note is shit cgi but amazing prosthetics yeah great like, they, work. they must have been in that chair for hours mm. getting that done and that's why so many of the nuns just have like their veils because they're like we don't we don't have the budget for that many we're not doing cat that. we don't have the time yeah. we don't yeah. have the energy we're not doing it and i knew one of those cat nurse nuns i was like i recognize the voice of you it's lady danbury from Le- from bridgerton oh yeah well spotted yeah well this is the classic bbc isn't it you just oh, yeah, see yeah, the no, same five people i told you this before <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot going on, so we'll crack on. My theme is recreation, <laughs> which unfortunately is spelt the same as recreation. Which so led to you... some confusion for me <laughs> yeah, in the Jen, group chat. Jen was like, uh, apparently in your head thought, recreation, all right, yeah, I mean, they do have a fun time. <laughs> and then I carried on explaining, and then you were like, oh, recreation. <laughs> yeah, like, this makes more sense. I thought it was an interesting choice. I'm like, this is going to stretch me, recreation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to do that one time, just do a totally left field one, then just say nothing, and see if you're like, question <laughs> it. So also Googling like feminism and the ideas of recreation and stuff, you just get a lot of parks and recreation. And Promineering. <laughs> um, so yeah, didn't get, didn't get much out of my swift Google search. But I mean, there's a lot of feminism in parks and rec as well. So maybe that's, yeah, topical. Wow. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. which is yeah so re- recreation specifically like in this episode we've got they turn up on new earth it's this recreation of earth following the events of what we saw in mm-hmm. when they're on platform five and the earth gets us platform one platform one sorry they get platform one. Oh yeah, yeah. Satellite five yeah. it's on platform one and the earth gets fire- finally sun fireballed mm-hmm. yeah so they're like made new earth um they turn up and it's like new new york and yeah it's this idea of like recreating what had been lost for humanity then there's like lady cassandra after we thought that she died in that previous episode mm. recreated her skinned self trampoline yeah and like managed to like resurrect her eyes and put them back in the uh, bitchy trampoline <laughs> the doctor's still you know been recreated in this new form uh the weird Catlin nurses are kind of recreating uh, like original humans because it kind of gets implied that like the humans that exist um, you know are an evolved future version because it's the year five billion so mm. they're not like humans as we know them now but they recreated these kind of human forms to be able to deal with all illnesses so that they can like harvest them for arts <laughs> yeah I, 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 like kind of flesh slaves mm-hmm. there's just a lot I think there's a, there's a cool topic of like in feminism queerness as well the idea of like recreation through your experiences through your life through your understanding of yourself Mm. um, as your identity changes and that could be recreating how you decide to present to the world through clothes and hair and or even you know more concrete things like accent yeah interesting definitely a a multifaceted topic for sure i mean there's so much work that's been done in identity academics and identity the the philosophy and the theory of identity how we express ourselves what that means the way we talk the way we communicate online the platforms we choose to use the way we dress and you know i'm a firm believer in the the classic the Walt whitman you know i contain multitudes you're never just one person you're always multiple people and i think it's it's judith butler who has that thing about personal identity being an illusion and it's about how you create yourself like things like biological sex and all these things are just markers but they aren't inbuilt they're things that you adopt through osmosis in a society and things Mm. like that like it's a post-structuralist idea i mean judith butler is very complex but yeah and then there's also other considerations like if you know the way that our the way we present ourselves is influenced by the the structural environment that we're in which includes you know race gender class Mm. all these things they don't operate in isolation they all influence each other and they will influence how you present especially for like black women you know the politicization Mm. of hair and the way they need to present and toning and like policing of tone and voice and even language with a lot of communities too and how that all gets wrapped up and how you present yourself and how you might present yourself as one way with one group of friends but you'll present yourself differently say at work or no, absolutely, yeah, or, yeah, for sure. And um, I think I think kind of yeah, touching on privilege there. That's a really interesting point that having the freedom to recreate yourself in line with what feels more like you mm. is a privilege that not everybody has. Yeah. So, for example, growing up somewhere that's really conservative, maybe really religious, and you can move away, like you know, in America, move to a big city that there's a queer community there, that kind of thing. Like that's not a privilege that everybody has. Mm. Um. You know, and that can be on a much bigger scale like that or a much smaller scale. Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah, sometimes you forget that as well. You forget how privileged you are because it's your your lived identity, right? So you think, this is just my experience. You don't consider how hard it is for people in other situations. I'm thinking of that episode of Sex Education where Eric's family goes back to Nigeria for Mm. a wedding and his mum is really worried about the way that he's dressing and presenting himself because she's like, you can't do that in Nigeria. You can't have any sort of outwardly 
queer element and for someone who is so flamboyant and comfortable in his identity how hard that is to rein that in uh, yeah you can't even imagine when it literally becomes a life and death thing yeah to be perceived potentially in his case is even slightly feminine or gay yeah and it's hard too because i think we take that for granted in a lot of ways like i've been i follow a lot of um, uk people on twitter obviously they have a very horrible situation going on around the turf conversation yeah. the trans identity politics that is yeah. happening in the uk which is just I don't. Sometimes I watch it from over here, and I'm like, I don't understand why this conversation is happening. I don't understand how you ended up in this conversation, because it doesn't feel like one that we are having. Yeah. But then I have to remind myself it could very easily get to that point. It could like a lot of queer people in the states in the UK feel like it's gotten to the point where now it's you have to sort of defend queerness and as a whole as a concept, which to me it seems unfathomable for us. But mm. if it can happen there. We're not, we're not necessarily immune to it, right? So you have to be really conscious of the fact we can't take our rights and our privileges for granted because they can be taken away. Yeah, absolutely. Cheerful on that cheerful No, I mean, far out. It's just a lot to think about. Yeah. Something from the episode that stood out to me when I was thinking about this is when the doctor says the human race keeps on growing, keeps on changing. Mm. And it made me think, I mean, is that the case? Like, does our current interpretation and understanding of humanity have that kind of inherent capacity for change and growth and recreation i mean sometimes no sometimes yes like i mean you would like to think that we do but i really think it depends on it's just, the thing is it's so multifaceted there's so yeah. many external pressures so what is true for one group of people in one specific geographical area won't be true for yeah. another group of people because of various issues like environmental issues but also things like religion mm. Just so many things influence it. And if you think of humanity in, in this episode as a, a universal thing, like they're all over the show. They're not yeah. just on one planet. They're spread out across the universe. How could they have the same beliefs and the same behaviors and the same mm. identity as, a, as humans? Because they're just so spread out. I don't understand how that would work. That doesn't even make sense. No. So the fact that he's saying that we keep on growing and changing is kind of like, well, yeah, because humanity as it was as being, you know, just humans on Earth. It's kind of this whole thing about, yeah, this kind of thing about globalization, right? The fear that the more globalized we become, which, you know, seems like a very outdated concept to speak about now. But when I was at uni, globalization was still a thing we talked about a lot. I mean, technology has accelerated that concept so much that now it does feel like we're kind of just one homogenous group of people who all consume the same information day in and day out. Whereas in the past, you would have had different influences, a bit more differentiation in your media, all these things. It's like if you just consume the same things and you believe the same things, do you just become one big yeah. hunk of... Homogenous. The, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, to some extent, yes, that does happen, right? Like, we see it on a micro level when we're very aware that our friend group is essentially the same person. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of beliefs and values and background. Yeah, your bubble. And, mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so we jokingly talk about we talk about this before the echo chamber mm-hmm. and we end up kind of you know reverberating those same ideas around with some nuance but i mean essentially we kind of agree with each other and it's cool and it's a good feeling mm. but then yeah what nuance are we missing yeah so it's a great opportunity to kind of uh expand your understanding by doing things like reading authors you normally wouldn't read and yeah pushing what, yourself yeah. yeah like following accounts on instagram that aren't you know your normal kind of thing and 
even if I don't agree with 100%, I find this challenging sometimes. You know, mm. if I don't agree with 100% of what someone's saying, to still listen to the 80 that I do, mm. rather than being like, nah, that one thing, that's crock of shit, and then just, like, muting them. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's an interesting, and, like, in terms of recreation, the Doctor's the epitome of that, right? Mm. Like, he's recreating his form, but with, you know, he does have his memories. Like, at the very early in the app, Rose says to, do- to the Doctor traveling with you you know i love it and then refers to their like first date mm. which he has memories of like he knows who was there it was him but he's in this different form now yeah and it's body. yeah so it's like recreated a version of him but also it's not him because we know from his behavior that he doesn't know how he's going to react to situations he's still figuring mm. out what his personality is so there is changes not like he's been transplanted as is into it just a different vessel yeah no that's a good point when he talks about like oh you know these eyes haven't seen it or and like so yeah. you know he might have reacted a certain way on that first day which now if he was in the same situation he might react differently like he doesn't know that right it's not like when mm. cassandra is dropped into Rose or Tim's body. Yeah. When she is the same person, she's just in a different vessel. Like yep. the doctor is sort of different. He is he's malleable. He's not set yet. No, 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 he's not. Yeah, it's a great point. There's also this whole thing about a lot of trans feminist accounts will talk about the relation re- relationality of self and the idea that people have the potential to define us. It's not withholding within our control. People will define mm-hmm. your identity based on the way that they perceive you. And that in a way can like cause a lot of gender dysphoria and things like mm. that because it's completely out of your control so you might feel in yourself that you're a certain way you might try to present a certain way but if other people constantly identify you and put their own ideas on you mm. that strips you of agency and like you can't control that yeah. yeah so that recreation if you wanted to do is outside of your control mm. i've on a more like i don't know i don't want to play it down but like on a more superficial level i've typically chosen opportunities where I've gone through a bit of a life change to do those moments of recreation. Mm. So, like, deciding to stop wearing makeup to work. I kind of explored it. I think I mentioned it in another app. Mm. Like, explored it when I was at one job, but then got, like, people being like, oh, you're right. So I got a bit scared. So when I started a new job and no one had seen my face, I took that as a moment to be like, no, this is what work so looks yeah. like now. Um, ditto starting another job and deciding to dress a bit more masculine. Because mm. I used to wear dresses quite a lot. And I was like, this isn't my vibe anymore. So taking that kind of clean break of like people don't have any preconceptions yeah absolutely and it just makes that easier yeah um i know that that happened you hear about it a lot when people go away to uni they don't have their high school you know their school friends anymore Mm -hmm. they don't have their family close by and they can be like actually now i have some freedom to create who i want to be i tried to do this when my family moved to australia and it failed in a magnificent way that reminded me of something i wanted to ask you about Mm -hmm. on the subject of recreation with your accent yes so you moved to Australia when you were 14 mm-hmm. with like a full bore South African accent? Correct. <laughs> Afrikaans, South African accent. Yeah, so like completely. And then how long, do you remember it being A, like a conscious thing where you're like, I need to, or just like, mm-hmm. um, so I have a very malleable accent. Like I've noticed this previously. Um, it changes quite rapidly and quite quickly and it, I don't consciously change it at all. When I lived in the UK, I was there for two years. When I moved back to Australia, people would ask me where in the UK I was from. <laughs> yeah, cool. I did not think I had an English accent, but yeah. people often think I'm Danish now. Oh, okay. Weirdly. Um, I think my my accent is a lot more Kiwi now than it used to be, but yeah, it's not a conscious effort on my part mm. at all. My, I just have a very malleable accent. 
But I will say what annoys me is when people ask me to say certain things in a certain accent. Like, I find as someone who's moved, I don't know if you get this, when people are like, can yeah. you say this word? I yeah. fucking hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Don't do this to people who have moved to your countries. It's really annoying. Yeah, no, I do get that. And it's normally people who have a bit of a fetish for an English accent. It just never comes from a nice place. No. They either want to make fun of you or they want to fetishize you. It's yeah, never yeah. like a nice yeah. like community thing. Like, no. haha, we're all mates thing. It's like, I'm putting you on display, and it's yeah. gross. And if you speak a different language as well, people will ask you to say things in, in your language, which I also fucking hate. How do you say this? Who cares? You're never going to use it. Yeah. It's novelty. It's not like, yeah. But I have been told that if I'm either very angry or quite drunk, I will sound more South African than I do normally. That is feedback I have received. Yeah, I always, when I this podcast has been great for me listening to myself, mm. and I think I forget that I sound as English as I do, I think I sound more Kiwi because most of the accents that I hear, well, I say this, like my partners aren't Kiwi, but well, my, most of my work colleagues are, I suppose, so. Yeah. You know, when you're like, the fish is in the water and it doesn't notice the water. Yeah. So for a long time, that was me not noticing Kiwi accents. After when I first moved here and I was like, holy shit, everyone <laughs> speaks with this weird accent. When I first moved here, I don't think I really noticed it. I can't tell the difference. Well, I couldn't tell the difference between an Australian and a Kiwi accent. Not really. I was like, oh, it's the same. But now that I've been here, oh, while, yeah. and now when I listen to Australians, I'm like, wow. Exactly the same. I moved here and was like, I can't tell the difference. Mm. And then now it's like, fucking chalk and cheese. Like, yeah. literally, you can tell an Aussie at, like, 100 metres. Yeah, like. absolutely. <laughs> can hear you on the Bunnings ad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm, interesting. Okay, so, Lady Cassandra mm. in this episode the queen of problematic (laughs) so she's yeah she's recreated her skin trampoline thing salvaged her you know her brain was stored we assume in the cloud or whatever that brain thing um and salvaged her eyes and then she's recreated her skinness and she has chip the force grown clone with a weird irish accent who talks in the third person (laughs) just so we know he's weird (laughs) yeah yeah, full bore weirdness. So they're like hiding away in the uh, basement of this hospital. And she really wants to recreate her experience of being a human in a human body. Mm. So decides to do that through... Psychographed. The psychograph, yeah. And then zooms into first Rose's body, and then the doctor's body, and then miscellaneous people's bodies, and then ends up in ship. Her, like, so Lady Cassandra is... Like we've talked about her before. Like She's not a nice person. She has a lot of problems and a lot of issues and a lot of trauma. And she also has, like, quite, like, she's from the future, but what we would call, like, antiquated perceptions of, like... Yeah, I mean, so, she's obsessed with blood purity, which is never yeah, a good she's sign. she's straight up racist. Yeah. She's 100% racist and very specifically in a eugenics kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also, like, quite misogynistic. Yeah. And just sexist. So as soon as she goes into Rose's body, we have this, like, absolute chaos of Rose being, like curves rear bumper yeah and like unzipping the top and making yeah. it herself like have more cleavage and yeah yeah she hasn't unpacked her own misogyny like mm-hmm. there's a lot of internalized misogyny there's a lot of she thinks her only value is her external beauty as a, a woman right yeah. so that's what she recognizes in others and what she derides in others like when they're not you know quote unquote beautiful she's like well i'm not interested because yeah, yeah. they have no value but she's incredibly selfish like everything she does even though yeah. she does end up helping the doctor figure out what is going on in this place it's purely driven by her own selfishness. Like, she wants to blackmail the order of whatever they're called, the nuns. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't want to do it because she believes in that. She doesn't want to free these people because she believes in the goodness of it or that there's something mm. wrong with what's being done. She just wants money so she can recreate her perfect body. Yeah. 
And then, I mean, the memory, the lasting memory she has of her human life is like the last time someone told her she was beautiful. I know. She has a, it's a shit ton of validation tied up in your physical appearance. Yeah, which is never going to, it's never going to last. We are, you know, we all are going to age. Your physical self is never going to remain the same. It's going to change day to day to day. You get into such a bad state if you try to hold on to a particular look or a particular thing because we are, every single day we are changing. It's such a no-win situation to do that. Oh, it is. And it's, I think, particularly this female experience of this idea that you must be constantly trying to recreate your youth Mm. through unguents and potions and injectables and... Anti-wrinkle cream and... uh, Like, why? Why? Yeah, I quite like... I I don't know. I feel like this is quite a fringe thing in a way. But this idea that you'll just age gracefully and you'll just, like, embrace your wrinkles and embrace your grey hair and it's mm. not a big deal. Like, you're not going to try and hold on to your youth because that's gauche. Like, you know, you're yeah. all... There's no point. There's no mm. point. I just find it weird. Like, a lot of my friends my age, almost all of them, I would say, get Botox. And I'm one of the few who... Oh, wow. So I um, I don't know anyone who gets Botox. That's interesting. Yeah, and a lot of people be, like, started when they were, like, 28. Because they're like, oh, I'm starting to get frown lines. I'm like, yeah, good. I frown all the time. Yeah. Like, I have a very I'm, expressive face. Lots of stuff that I'm angry about. Yeah, I know. I have frown lines, and I've noticed that my smile lines are getting a yeah. lot deeper. And I'm like, yeah, because my face just shows fucking joy. Like, good. That's, That's a good thing. My face moves. But yeah, a lot of people don't like that. Oh, and I, I'm not going to shame people for doing that. Like, whatever makes you feel comfortable in the way that you're living your life. I just worry that it's not coming from a place of personal preference a lot of the time. It's coming yeah. from an external validation point of view. And as I said to you earlier today, sometimes I think you just need to do the work to learn how to love yourself as you are in this world and don't expect external people to fulfill that need within you. But, yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I also am kind of, you know, enjoying aging and my face showing that age. And I do kind of I, like I have a bit of a visceral feeling against that pushback of, you know, that idea of like gracefully, mm. like it might not be graceful. No, and no, that's no. Fucking okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be like the do it with you know like the Helen Mirren Quiz, yeah. yeah version of aging no, I want to be messy like, yeah absolutely I want to look like a bog troll <laughs> like a very happy wrinkly bog troll love that yeah yeah so then she's zooming into bodies we get this amazing bit of her then going into Ten's body as well and just you know trying to the tech never really gets explained I think classic Doctor Who is like we just it's fancy tech the plot needs this tech World Don't worry about it. it. Yeah, 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 it's not. Stop worrying about the world building. <laughs> oh my god, I fucking love world building. Jen hates books that have maps and like excessive maps <laughs> and excessive family trees. My brain just goes, I don't want to know this. No, just I love tell it. Tell the story. I don't need this. Before I need the it. Preamble. I need reference documents <laughs> that can be like, oh, how, how is this person related to that person? What again? is the let tax me, bracket on this flick. income? <laughs> Shush. How how does the economy work? I love it. I love detailed world building. Well, maybe, I mean, just, I've got a few more, like, general episode thoughts slash random observations that I think are quite interesting. Yeah, go for it. It's really sad that the face of Bo is dying. And then he isn't, but yeah. Yeah. He did the old fake out. He's like, oh, actually, yeah. I feel better now. After all these shenanigans, it's reinvigorated yeah, well, me. He just wanted to, and then he just, like, yeah. ethers away. But then, mm. does he have a, does he have another, like, tub to go to? Like, where does I he go? I see the tubs go with him. He travels oh, in Oh, no, tub. because he disappears from it. He, like, goes away from the inside of it, right? Like, I the thought the whole gone. thing went, oh. but maybe I made that up. Yeah, the face of Bo is interesting. I love that he summoned the lonely god with the psychic tattoo. Yeah. Interesting. He's an interesting character. Yeah, he is. 
jumping around chronologically in the episode, the lift scene at the end, saving the day, absolutely, like, total chaos, like, full more mm. chaos. So, you're going to be like, Sophie doesn't have to make sense, chill out. But <laughs> he, get, he, like, straps to his body, like, it's, like, ammunition, the IV solutions for all the diseases, makes a very big point that they are for IV, so they're intravenous. Then suddenly, through the means of the disinfectant sprayer, they become a topically applied remedy that is no longer intravenous, and everyone's cured by like touching their skin. And I was like, "Well, come on, so." <laughs> I think it's just a general catch-all term no, for bags of liquid. It's it means fine. Intravenous. Maybe it doesn't in the future. It means interestingly viral. <laughs> well. Wow. Cool, okay, cool, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> nice. I don't really want to watch anything that is about fucking viruses spreading. Yeah, that's a weird, hey, I feel like I have this weird reaction now to, like, viruses and infectionness and, like, transmissibility of stuff, and it's yeah. just like... Well, I mean, there's like, that line where he says the human race moves on, but so do the viruses. So I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, we don't, that's no, too close to home. Please, no, dude. Please. No, I've got, I mean, we're still, we're what, two and a half years in and we've got monkeypox suffering. I read a book over the weekend that was partly mentioned the COVID pandemic and also then future pandemics. I'm like, no, what? No. 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 That's really interesting. Hey, then now we've got like heaps of books that have been written since it started and they casually drop in like in COVID times or I'm reading a nonfiction about forensic pathology at the moment and it's just talking about, oh, you know, and this has happened through with COVID as well. And I'm like, no, don't. Like it's, <laughs> we're so far in that like There's... someone has, I had the idea, has written, oh. has edited has published I was really like, worried because I read the sequel to Boyfriend Material earlier Ooh, this yeah. month and I was like so worried that that was going to come in and they were going to talk about lockdowns and COVID but they thankfully didn't. I'm yeah. like, oh. So at the very start, Rose has a massive backpack like she's about to do six months around Southeast Asia. <laughs> What's in that bag? So far she has had no luggage going on Doctor Adventures. Like, nary a handbag. But now mm. she's suddenly got... I mean, maybe she wanted some personal items. Maybe she's just decided now she's committed. Like, before yeah, it was just like... like I need some stuff. But I feel like the TARDIS would just, like, have everything you want. Oh, absolutely. Like, maybe... As discussed. Room of requirement. Well, yeah, right. It's basically room of requirement. So before she didn't have anything. So, like, mm. presumably she still gets her period when she's traveling through time and space. So maybe there's, like... Well, does she, cuts. though? Because, like, maybe time stops. I've always wondered this. Oh. Like, does time stop happening to you while you're in the TARDIS? Like, are oh. you outside of time? Which is she mean, aging? Correct. Like, is Ooh. she, like, 300 years old because she's been on the TARDIS for 300 years, but she only comes back to Earth, and it's only when you're on a planet that you age, but while you're in the TARDIS, you don't age. You're, like, like what static. is happening? Yeah, that's a fascinating yeah. point. Because the Doctor was... All, like, the Doctor ages in his different forms. Mm. We've had, like... You know, like the Tom Baker Doctor was yeah. like an older Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Capaldi's an older Doctor. But it's like he regenerates in an older body. Yeah. Rather than it being like he has naturally Although aged Although the first Doctor point. was quite old. The very first one. But yeah, but like maybe you only like maybe you only age when you are... Like, do you still age in space? I don't know. Do, can yeah, an do astro- you still age in space? Fuck's sake. <laughs> yes, you do. But, but you age... compared to yeah. the rate of aging, yeah, if you're orbiting the Earth. So yeah, like, this yeah. happened with the Kelly twins who are American astronauts and one of them went up into the ISS for a year and the other one stayed on Earth and so they could do tests on them to be like what's the difference mm. and obviously like one of them is now very slightly older than the other one because they experience time differently being off planet versus and like mm. they have other biological changes and stuff so yeah it's very interesting but it's I guess it's the same as traveling between time zones just because I've jumped two time zones it doesn't mean I'm suddenly two hours older than I was before <laughs> no 
but it is fun to think about. Oh my god, yeah. When you go back over the dateline, when we go from, like, so went to Rarotonga and then came back, and then you're like, oh, day younger. Yeah. Can we just talk about Rose going down, like, yes, she gets separated from the doctor again, and he's yelling at her through the lift. Very yeah, funny. I but then she goes down instead of up and apparently doesn't notice us. And then she, there's Chipper's waiting for her. Strange man. Very dark, dreary basement. Obviously a basement. And she's like, I will pick up a rod to defend myself, yeah. but I will still follow him. No, rather than like trying to get back in the lift. And, yeah. yeah, I know. Bizarre behavior. Yeah, Rose. it is bizarre behavior. Also new hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. New season, new hair. My next Rian's, says, Rian's... new hair who dis. <laughs> Recreation. Also, uh, Jen has had her hair cut quite dramatically as well, just to say. I have, I have had a haircut. Um, it looks very good. Thank you. You're welcome. It does a floop. Floop. Also, Cassandra being like, oh my god, I'm a chav. You knew that before you oh, psychographed it into yeah, her? No, like, know, why are yeah. you acting so shocking? It's very weird. Mm. Um, why does Chip have an Irish accent? <laughs> no one knows. Ireland still exists. New, yeah, it new does. Dublin. Oh, new, 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 new Dublin. Other planets have an Ireland is what Nine would say. Exactly. Yeah. Classic English asking why there's an Ireland. <laughs> I'll cut it. Oh, yeah, please cut, please cut that out. Cut uh, the politics out. Yeah, no. no, don't sanitize. <laughs> don't sanitize us, Jen. The horrific trauma that must have been experienced by the flesh slaves. Oh, the flesh slaves. It's horrible. They're just perpetually... And the cat nurse nuns are like, they're fine. They're just flesh. They don't understand. It's like, and they're like oh, they're developing their own language. Oh, they're developing their own thoughts and opinions. Messed up. Like, horrific, right? I That's mean, the way... Think, is it going to be therapy? Wouldn't New York make them, like, a kind of rehab facility? You would hope so, because they're not going to be functioning no. people. And do they ever explain how they, like, transfer stuff by touch? Yeah, I get if they have highly transmissible diseases and they touch you, then they can spread a disease. But then they get cured, and the topically applied IV solution then transfers through touch to heal them all. The interestingly viral solution. No, fuck off. It's not interestingly viral. It is intravenous. (laughs) All the viruses and diseases are also interestingly viral. (laughs) Cool. Okay, yeah, sweet. Magic of cinema. Park the science at the door and just have a good time. Correct. Yeah. Um. So I've written this down in my notes, but I can't remember who says this. The quote: "The flesh is free." <laughs> the flesh is free. <laughs> it was so weird. But I forgot to write down who said it. But anyway, the flesh Presumably is free. Presumably one of the nuns. I think when I the yeah when they broke out of the badly CGI prison interior. I do also like that Cassandra was like, "What do you think I'm going to do? Flap you to death?" <laughs> And then immediately psychographed into Rose. So, yeah, she yeah. was right to be concerned. Yeah, yeah, no, she was, yeah. It's interesting that the connection, you know, the thing that gives Cassandra pause is when she, like, psychographs into one of the infected people, right? And she comes mm-hmm. out and she's like, you know, all their lives and they've never been touched. She's so She feels that acute loneliness, right, from these people. But it also kind of mirrors her own loneliness. Like, in mm-hmm. her search for perspective, right, she has been completely isolated and alone. And this idea that if you strive for perfection, you're always going to be kind of alone because to be perfect is to be untouchable and to be untouchable is to be alone, Removed. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, so to be apart, to be, uh, you know, on that, in that ivory tower, that, that pedestal uh, at one level above mm. the normalcy. Yeah. It's interesting that she then goes back in time and essentially gives herself this one piece of information that she's clung her whole life to like this thing that i was told i was beautiful this one last time someone told me i was beautiful 
and then dies in her own arms. Yeah, can you explain the ending to me? Because I didn't really understand. So she is zapping between people, then the doctor's like, no, you have to stop doing this. You can't, you have to get out of Rose. So she's like, Chip's here, and Chip's like, I'm willing. Yeah. Um. So then she goes into Chip. Yes. And then as Cassandra and Chip, she's like, I've realized I'm dying. So ch- is Chip dying? Chip is a half-life. That's explained at the start of the thing. Oh. He's, he's not like a, a full human, right? He's like, yeah. Oh, the half-life, I think of them as the war boys and Mad Max, how they don't have yeah, full okay, yeah. So she goes into Chip. Chip can't really sustain her because he's not a healthy vessel. Oh. And so she doesn't have the ability to get back out i don't think ah uh, okay that explains it and then she's like ah oh, fuck it now i'm actually faced with mortality yeah but the thing i don't understand is like was is she rewriting her own li- timeline was it always chip or cassandra as chip who had told her the last time that she was beautiful or was it someone else that had told her because you would think that she would remember who had told her that she, yeah, or yeah. Is she so vain that she just forgot who had said it because she'd heard it so many times in her life. Well, yeah, and in the and in the future she'd like wiped the memory of. Yeah, because otherwise, was like, oh, you looked identical to this clone I want to come across. Yeah, I mean, it was years yeah, and so years and years ago. Maybe so. it's actually separate and it made it just look like that. But cool theory. Yeah, because otherwise I'd be like, shouldn't you have recognized Chip? But... Yeah, there's some points generally in Doctor Who, but specifically in this episode. So like when. Cassandra first goes into Rose mm. and then Cassandra in Rose is like sassing up the doctor very obviously not the same person and personality and he does do kind of like a side eye mm. when she suddenly like knows everything about the control panel so I think maybe he does kind of know but is like going along with it yeah that's what I thought I thought that he like instantly picked it but yeah and was like let's see how this pans out classic doctor yeah because he's like fuck around and find out yeah <laughs> we'll figure it out later yeah well, okay, um, my friend, standouts. I felt like mine are probably been picked by, but... Um, so, yeah, my standout moment, definitely the acting of both Billy and David as Cassandra. I think they did really good jobs. Like, it's quite a hard thing as an actor. You're playing a character who's now playing another character within another character. Like, it's quite a lot of depth you're going to there, and I think both Billy and David do a really good job of it. And, like, this is David's first proper outing as Ten in his own yeah. season. Like, yeah. that's not a special. So, yeah. you know, good for him. It's a great time. I love that first shot of New 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 York when they get out onto Tartars. I've said before, it's like such a step up in production and quality, which I really love. Mm. And I also actually just really love David Tennant's little freckles. Yeah, he's so freckly. I noticed that too. Which I don't think I've noticed previously, but maybe because I've got a bit of TV now than when I first watched it. True. Actually, that's a great point. I did wonder that too, and I was like, are those fake freckles? And I wondered if it was going to become part of the plot, but no, that's just his face. Yeah, which I definitely did not remember from i feel like i would have remembered that from the first time i watched it but it was 2006 so technology yeah. was quite different true and also maybe they just filmed because i feel like now he's a lot pastier but maybe he just doesn't get out in the sun much now he's an older man it's very scottish yeah you know they can't go in the sun <laughs> um so that is exactly my standout moment is both Rose and the Doctor as Cassandra. Mm. It's just hilarious. I think it's just great range from both of them. I yeah. mean, only the Doctor a little bit, mainly Rose. Yeah. Like, but he kind of is just a cracking actress. It was a good chance for her to really show her, her yeah, skill and her range. Yeah, and, yeah. absolutely. And her accent. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm a chav. I think you're right. Like, a great point about um, setting up us up with an interesting kind of tone, just like, like pace and fun but also a bit dark and that kind of undertone and like that visual aesthetic mm. is different so we'll see if that continues like from what you say i reckon it probably does continues as the tone of season two and ten mm. 
But yeah, maybe they just got a bit more budget, hey? Yeah, surely that's what it is, right? Yeah. Like, they did this first season as sort of a trial to see and how people, the people, people will watching. actually, yeah, people yeah. have picked this back up and not mm-hmm. just the people who are already into Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It's kind of quite mainstream. And then, yeah, no, the money from the bead. Some more money at it, yeah. Nice. Wow, okay. So next week, we'll be discussing the second episode of season two, Tooth and Claw. And I, I believe he'll Ten will be doing his actual real accent. Correct. David Tennant's doing his, which I can't remember. So don't, no spoilers. I've not watched it yet, but I don't remember how they make that relevant. Like how they. So I'm excited. Mm. Yeah, cool. Um, so let us know your thoughts by emailing a Tardis of One's Own at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram. I think unfortunately I did not get an email to my request for an email <laughs> last week. So very sad to our like seven listeners, probably three of whom know me personally anyway. Um, so that's more reason to send us an email. Please email us. I promise that won't be weird. Please check out the show notes for links and for all the references discussed in this app. Fabulous. Look forward to it. Yes. Have a great week. Welcome to spring. Ugh. <laughs> Hay fever season is upon us. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Everyone. Bye. bye. Love you. Bye.